Welcome to the Fox River Podcast. Our mission is a heart for people and a message of Jesus. We hope you are encouraged in your faith through this message. Thanks for listening. Hey, good morning, everyone. <laughs> hey, thanks for that. Thanks for the birthday greetings. Appreciate that. Anybody else share a birthday? Birthday buddy with me today? Nobody, hey? Guys, was a couple of days ago. It's great to be here with you in Waukesha. We also want to greet those who are at our campuses in Muskego as well as Waterford. And then there's many who are joining us online. Let's just welcome them as well today, all right? It's awesome. It is awesome to be a part of a great church, a great body of believers who come together because they want to worship God together. They invite others who want to um, know more about him as well to be a part of it. I want to launch us into today's topic with a riddle. Anybody enjoy a little riddle there? Okay, it'll be quick, all right? You, you have to be quick on your, on your feet, your mind here, I guess you might say, all right? So, real simple, just a couple of statements here. I may only be given but never bought. Sinners seek me, but saints often do not. What am I? Now, we gave you all kinds of hints, okay, if you've been here the last few weeks even, because we're in this Sermon on the Mountain, the Beatitudes, so we're hitting the next Beatitude in line, which I'll give you in a minute. But let me give you one more stab at this. I may only be given, but never bought. Sinners seek me, but saints often do not. What am I? Mercy. Oh, there we go, thank you. Mercy, right, mercy. You know, when it comes to the Beatitudes, they are things that Jesus talked about, and he said that you will be happy if you have these in your life. But they're very counterintuitive. They're hard to get our minds around. But mercy is something that we can understand, and we do attach happiness to it oftentimes when we receive it. Who's ever been on the receiving end of mercy? Yeah, we all have, right? Every single one of us have been on the receiving end, and we understand the happiness, the deep happiness, even that that might bring. So I want to give you a little definition, because we, we know it when we see it happen. We often know it when we give it away, even. But if you think of mercy as this, relational generosity some have even said it's kind of the opposite of grace. They, they kind of get confused a little bit because they are interchangeable to some degree. But mercy being that you don't get something that you deserve. Not in like I got ripped off, but consequences usually, right? Well, I've been the recipient of some mercy all throughout my life many times. But I'd had my license for about a month. And so like most 16-year-olds, I thought I knew all the rules, right? Because I had just had something called driver's ed. And they had pumped my head full of knowledge. And I had to take a quiz. I had to sit beside someone even and show them I could drive. And so, like I said, a month, okay? And that's gonna play out here very importantly. As I was driving home, I came up to a T intersection. I looked to my left and there was a stop sign. And so I thought I was good to go because I didn't have a stop sign, but I was wrong. I didn't bother to look to my right. I just decided to go ahead and turn. As I turned, something went wrong. It wasn't an accident, though. It was a squad car that was coming from the right. And so right away, he flips his lights on, and he pulls me over. He says, give me your license, give me your registration. And he let me sweat for a while as he ran my plates. He came back over to my car, 
And he looked at me with a very stern face. He says, you haven't been driving very long, it looks like, have you? And I said, no, officer, I haven't. He knew the consequences if he gave me a ticket, but why would he care, right? Some 16-year-old kid who just broke the law, probably shouldn't be driving anyways, was probably what he was thinking. But rather than give me a ticket, he looked at me with a very stern face, and he said, I'm gonna let you off with a warning. But you need to learn to yield to what? The right of way. I'm like, what is the right of way anyways, okay? <laughs> All right. You need to learn to yield to the right of way. That's what you need to do. And he said, and I don't wanna ever see you do this again. I think he's trying to put fear into me at that point. And he let me off. You can feel that, right? You can feel that. Like everybody just wants to go like this, right? That was a close one. Because at 16 years old, I would have lost my license at least for a year just like that. Changing my life because I wouldn't be able to drive to school. I wouldn't be able to drive to my job anymore. And he let me off. We know what it's like when we receive mercy and the happiness, the deep happiness that it brings. It's easy to understand. But what about the connection between happiness, deep happiness, and giving mercy? It just doesn't make sense, does it? In fact, how many would say, yeah, when you give mercy, it seems like every time I give mercy, it hurts. It's like it goes against everything inside of me at that point, and it actually hurts to give mercy. Well, as I mentioned, we're in this series called Deep Happiness, we're spending time in arguably the greatest sermon that Jesus Christ ever taught. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. You'll find it in Matthew chapter five. And it's a beautiful sermon. And he starts it out with what we've been looking at with the Beatitudes. And what collects all the Beatitudes together, what ties them all together, is they all start with the same exact word. And that word is blessed. Would you say that with me? Blessed. Makarios is the Greek word that it comes from, which simply means deep happiness. We've learned, starting out, blessed are the poor in spirit, meaning those who really, really recognize that they need God. Then, blessed are those who mourn after they've learned that they need God. They realize, I'm a sinner. I've offended that God. I've broken the commandments that he's given to me, and I need him even more. And they mourn over it. And we learn, blessed are the meek, as Pastor Bill showed us, those who have strength, but they keep it under control. And then last week, Pastor Guy, he shared with us, blessed are those who hunger. They hunger after righteousness. Meaning, their desire is that the outside is reflective of what's on the inside. Full authenticity that God desires for every one of us. And today... Today, we're going to look at blessed are the merciful. And in verse number seven of Matthew chapter five, he says this, blessed are the merciful for they will be shown mercy. You see how each of these, they are counterintuitive. 
So counterintuitive that I want you to recognize that you're gonna need a help this week because you're gonna run into some mercy giving where God requires of you to show mercy and you're gonna blow it off because you're not gonna see the attachment to the blessedness that he wants, the deep happiness. So what we've done is we've created a screensaver for you, okay? So go ahead right now, you've heard about the QR code, go ahead, use that right now. Get that screensaver that background and put it on your phone or your device so you can keep this in front of you this week because God's gonna call you to take action on this this week. I can guarantee it. But he says, blessed are the merciful for they will be shown mercy. Notice this, this is the only beatitude that is directly reciprocal, meaning that you receive the same thing that you give, right? He's saying this, Mercy produces mercy. Would you say that with me? Mercy produces mercy. One more time. Mercy produces mercy. So that tells you what? If you want mercy, you're gonna need to give it. In fact, he'll give you more because he wants you to give it away. You might be like, what does that look like? Well, we're gonna get to that point, we are. But before we do, I wanna show you this that mercy is of great significance to God, not just because he talks about it in the Beatitudes, but he actually describes himself, God the Father, as a merciful God. Let me give you this context, okay? Because this context just changed everything for me. There's this guy by the name of Moses. Anybody ever heard of him? He's in the, the older part of the Bible, all right? Go ahead, raise your hand. I want to see who we're talking to. Okay, yeah. If not, just watch a Disney film called Prince of Egypt and you'll get caught up, okay? All right? Or read the book of Exodus, But he was in charge of taking the children of Israel out of Egypt. And one of the things that God recognizes, they're going from being slaves and having no say over anything to total freedom here. So I need to put some rules in place. So he took Moses up into this mountain and he gave him what? Anybody know what those rules are known as? We still have them today. The Ten Commandments. He put them on these tablets of stone. But what happened is this. Moses had spent too much time up in the mountain and the people were getting antsy. They're like, where's our leader? He's talking to some God that we don't really know all that much. Maybe that God's not real, so maybe we need to create another one. So they take all the gold that they have and they create a golden calf and they're worshiping him and they're partying and Moses is coming down to this. What do you think Moses is feeling like? What in the world is going on here? He breaks the tablets And God has to remind him of his character. And he does so in Exodus chapter 34 after he gave him a second set because he broke the first ones. Not broke it like we do, okay? He literally broke them. In Exodus 34, he says this. Then he, talking about God the Father, then he passed in front of Moses and he called out and he said this, I am the Lord God. I am what? I am merciful and very patient with my people. I show great love and I can be trusted. Anybody need that reminder? Like every day of your life. That's our God. A God of mercy. And we're talking the Old Testament here. When there was some scary stuff that took place. This is our God. A God of mercy. He's merciful. And then Jesus, he picks it up several times as well. What Jesus does, though, is this. A lot of times he emphasizes the importance of mercy through questions, through statements, 
And then these stories that just stick in your head, and we're gonna see a couple of those. But first I want you to show you the statement. He's talking to these guys who are self-righteous. They think they got their whole act together because they do so many good things. Anybody know somebody like that, you know? It's like you're sick of them, right? They never do anything wrong. They ace every test, you know it. They're always kind to everyone. They know everything, right? Well, Jesus comes to them and he says this, but go and learn what this means. Now, when Jesus says to you, go and learn what this means, you better take it seriously, right? He says, I desire mercy, not sacrifice, for I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. And if you're gonna come for sinners, you better have some mercy, because you're gonna need it. He said, I would rather have you show mercy than give me anything. It's kind of like mom, right? What do you want for your birthday? I just want a day of peace and quiet. That's what it sounds like, doesn't it? I want you to be kind to your brothers and sisters. It sounds like God's saying that to us, doesn't it? It's like, I want people of mercy. Mercy's of great significance to God. So this is what he does. He rewards those who show mercy. And he does so with deep happiness. A deep happiness that every Christ follower should be known by. Other people should see these beatitudes flowing out of your heart, flowing out of your hands, flowing out of your mouth. Mercy is of great significance to God. So the basic question is this, are you a person of mercy? There's some tangible ways to answer that, to indicate whether you are or not. We're gonna look at a couple. Because mercy presents itself in two major ways. The first one is this, compassion. Someone known by mercy is someone who has a disposition towards compassion. Not necessarily a natural disposition, but a chosen disposition. They choose each and every day to be ready to extend mercy to someone who might need it. Compassion is mercy in its broadest form, and here's what I mean by that. You don't even have to know the person that you give it away to. You say, what? You don't. This is one where Jesus shares this story it's hard for us to go there because compassion allows someone else's needs to penetrate into our hearts. And that's hard, isn't it? You might feel, I already have enough pain of myself, of my own. I don't need to carry someone else's. And God's saying, you do. You need to always keep your heart open. And so he shares a story. Like I said, a sticky story. You might have heard of it before. It's called the story of the Good Samaritan. Three different individuals pass by seeing this man who is beaten up and robbed and left to die. Three, two of them actually go on the other side of the road because they don't want to even be close to this person. Maybe out of fear, maybe like many of us do, I don't want to involve myself with this. But one, one actually takes him, finds him a place to stay, bandages his wounds, and even forks over money in case there's a greater debt that needs to be paid. One did. And so Jesus, as he's telling this story again to those self-righteous people, I'm drawn to those self-righteous people because I have a little bit of that myself. Maybe if you ask my wife, she might say a whole lot of that in myself at times. Ask my kids, they'll probably agree. And so Jesus says this to him: Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? The reason he uses that word neighbor is because he just told them to love their neighbor as much as they love themselves. Anybody take a stab at what the answer to that might be? 
The expert in the law knew, and so he replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. How do we do that? Compassion is fighting to keep a sensitivity towards the sufferings and needs of others. It's a difficult place to hang out, really hard. It's hard to hang out in someone else's pain. It's not enjoyable to feel so deeply for someone else that it creates a sense that you just need to do something about it. Do you feel that? That's why we can feel and mourn with parents, brothers and sisters, aunts and uncles, whose children have just been shot and killed in a place in Texas that most of us have never been to and never go to. But we can have compassion and we can ache for them. We can mourn with those who mourn and it's good to do that. We need to do that. Saying, be people of mercy. Be people of compassion. But what about here? Because there are people that you know. You can't just skip to the ones you don't. Are there people in your life that God has been calling to you saying, you need to show compassion? In your home, are you a person of mercy? Do you need to go and learn what this means? I desire mercy more than sacrifice. Do you need that learning? We all do. And so at home, what about around your home with your neighbors? We've all had it happen, right? You're coming home, you see your neighbor in their yard doing some yard work, and what do you think? Man, you know what? It looks like they're struggling a little bit. Maybe if two people were doing the work that they were doing, that would be a good thing and it would be a great help. And so, what? Go to them at that point and say, could I help you? And I know what some of you are thinking. You're thinking this. But they might say yes. (laughs) And that will take time and effort, and I have my own stuff to do, right? Yeah. They also might say no and think about how much that complicates it, because now you gotta find another way to show mercy when they don't want you to, to show compassion, to say, I'm here for you. I'm your neighbor. I want to help. We have opportunity after opportunity. Compassion is why we have times like Second Saturday where we go into our community and we help those who cannot help themselves. Where we take time. When we find people who can't walk into a grocery store and buy their groceries so they have to go to a place where they're given to them. You want your mercy to grow? Go hang out in a place like that. Join Misfits for Jesus or go to one of the services at the Milwaukee Rescue Mission and find out that there are people who actually don't have a roof over their heads that need someone who has said, we'll provide that for you and be a part of it and it will grow your mercy. It's why here at Fox River we have things that are called care ministries that show compassion like grief share, celebrate recovery, biblical counseling and many, many more, divorce care. Why? To show compassion. Use that QR code. Find those care ministries and say, I'm going to be involved because God wants me to be a person of mercy, of compassion, and he wants to grow my compassion. A second major way that mercy presents itself is through forgiveness. Whereas compassion is broad, 
Forgiveness is very, very narrow, and it's very, very personal to the individual, but also to God himself. Have you or do you have someone in your life that you just can't forgive? Maybe you even have this commitment saying, I've tried. I've tried my hardest. I just can't do it. God says we need to be people of mercy, and that means people of forgiveness as well. Here's why. Does it even make sense that you can have deep happiness and live in unforgiveness? Does that even make sense to anyone? No, because you can't. Forgiveness takes deep happiness away. You can't have both. And so the longer you choose to not forgive someone, that time, you're not gonna be able to find that deep happiness that God desires for each and every one of us and that he extends to us as well and has extended to us. And so when it comes to this forgiveness, again, Jesus had something to say about it many, many times. It's so significant that he says unforgiveness is unforgivable. Would you say that with me? Unforgiveness is unforgivable. One more time. Unforgiveness is unforgivable. Now, here's what I'm not saying. I'm not saying you're gonna go to hell if you have someone that you've not forgiven. But I am saying that your relationship with God will be so strained that you will not find deep happiness. And he's serious about it. You might say, no way. Think about the Lord's Prayer. Go home and read that. Or recite it as many of you can. See if there's a few words in there about forgiveness and what God says about it. Even yet, let's look at a story. Because like I said, Jesus tells sticky stories. This one we find in Matthew chapter 18. You might want to turn there right now, verses 23 through 35, or at some other time, and to look at this. But I want to give you a little setup. Jesus had friends who asked him great questions. And there's this one guy, his name's Peter. Peter's fantastic. He kind of shoots off his mouth way too much. So one of these times, Peter comes to Jesus and he says this. He says, how many times do I need to forgive someone? Well, let me ask you, who in the world asks that kind of question? Somebody who's struggling, right? Somebody who's struggling with, how do I forgive? I don't want to forgive anymore, so when can I stop? So Peter thought, I'll just throw out a number for Jesus. Hey, Jesus, seven times? Jesus ratchets it up so high that he can't even reach it. He says, you're thinking seven times? Ha, how about 77 times in one day? That's not gonna happen, is it? So it leaves Peter in this place. What am I supposed to do then? If I don't have the option of not forgiving, what am I supposed to do? And so Jesus tells a story. We see it in Matthew chapter 18. It's a phenomenal story. Jesus answered, I tell you seven times, Not seven times, but 77 times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven, following Jesus, you could insert there, is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Let me just stop there for a minute. Can anybody even fathom that? I was like, hey guys, can you come up with that for an illustration for me? I'd love that illustration today, okay? 10,000 bags of gold. Give you a little reference. That is 160 years worth of pay. 
160 years. This guy owed way too much, more than he'd ever be able to pay back in his lifetime. But he tries. When he tells him this, as he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. At this, a servant fell on his knees before him and he said, be patient with me. He's gonna have to be patient for a really long time. He begged and I will pay back everything. Was that true? No, this is an impossible debt. There is no way he would be able to do that. And so the servant's master took pity on him. You could put mercy in there. He canceled the debt and let him go. You can feel that, can't you? You can feel that deep happiness, right? Anybody else like, Phew. maybe the carnal side of you is saying, man, I would have racked up a greater bill, man, if I would have known that was coming. Well, that was probably his attitude. We're gonna find out in a moment. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who actually owed him a hundred silver coins. Can you imagine that? Do you know how much that is? A hundred days of wages. hundred days. Could it be paid back? Oh, absolutely. No problem. Small loan. That's all it was. Same thing happens here. His fellow servant fell to his knees and he begged him, be patient with me and I will pay it back. True, probably, but he doesn't get the chance. But he refused. Instead, he went off and he had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servants in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. Catch this last piece here, the last verse. This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. You think God takes unforgiveness seriously at all? Maybe just a little bit? But why? Why does it matter? Is it God's sense of fairness, his justice? Yeah, some. Here's why. In the parable, Jesus is king. And you've been forgiven everything, or you can be, 100%. Anything you've ever done against our perfect, glorious God can be forgiven. And he extends that mercy to you day after day after day. And one day we'll realize it when we're in eternity because rather than going to hell, we're gonna be able to spend eternity in heaven with him because our sins have been forgiven. Mercy hurts when you give it, but it hurts even more when you withhold it because unforgiveness traps us in this prison of our own making. And that prison is a prison of bitterness, not willing to let go of an offense. And you will not be able to have deep happiness because bitterness and deep happiness cannot be together in the same place at the same time. Notice 
Jesus didn't wait until you deserved it before he forgave you. He's always ready to forgive. So much so that he went to the cross to die on it so that he could pay for the sins, so that he could show that mercy, that forgiveness. Like I said, one day we're gonna experience it in all its fullness, but we get just a little taste of it now. Just enough of a taste that we can say, even when I don't want to, I'm going to. I'm gonna share that forgiveness with others in my life. I'm gonna show the compassion to others. I'm not gonna calculate whether they deserve it, whether I'm gonna get paid back. I'm not going to. I'm gonna give it freely, just like Jesus gave it to me freely. In a moment, we're gonna pray. And if you've never received that forgiveness, that mercy from Jesus, what's holding you back? He wants you to come to him. I'm gonna encourage you to pray and receive that gift of salvation if you never have. That mercy, that forgiveness that he extends to every one of us. If you're already a Christ follower, but you're struggling with someone and forgiving them, you need to recognize what Jesus has done for you. And let that be the motivator to say, Jesus forgave me of more than what I'll ever need to forgive someone else. And I'm making a commitment right here and right now to forgive Christ follower, will you do that? Because unforgiveness is unforgivable and you will not have the deep happiness that he wants for you otherwise. Would you pray with me? With heads bowed, eyes closed, if you're here and you say, you know what, I've never trusted Jesus for the forgiveness of my sins. I've never even asked him for that. Maybe you assumed it. Maybe you assumed you couldn't be forgiven, but you can. And he wants a relationship with you. He tells us the way we enter into that relationship is through faith, belief that he died on the cross to pay for our sins and he rose from the grave to show that he defeated those sins and death. So if you'd like to receive that, then pray to him right now, maybe something like this. Dear God, I believe that you're a God of mercy and I believe that you showed that when Jesus, your son, came and died for me. I wanna receive that forgiveness that payment for my sin so that I can have a relationship with you. And I want to receive that salvation that you offer to me right here and right now. With heads bowed, eyes closed, is there anyone here at our campuses online as well? Just indicate that I'm trusting Jesus today for my salvation, for that forgiveness, just with a raised hand, just indicating, okay, all right. With heads bowed, still eyes closed, If you're here and you'd say, there's someone that I need to forgive. The Holy Spirit's been speaking to me. I understand what Jesus said in that story, that I've been forgiven that debt and I need to forgive. I need to forgive. It's gonna be hard, but I need to do it. And you'd say, would you pray with me, Pastor, about that? Just raise your hand right now. There's someone for you, okay. All right, all right. At our campus as well, indicate online even. Lord God, forgiveness is a hard thing. Mercy hurts when we give it, but it hurts even more when we withhold it. I pray for each one who's raised their hand, Lord, but, but those even who didn't but know that there's someone in their life that they need to extend forgiveness to, no matter how much it hurts. God, I pray that you would help them to do so. We pray these things in Jesus Christ's name and everyone in agreement said, amen. If you were encouraged by today's talk, be sure to subscribe and share with your friends. Visit us online at foxriverchristian.org or check us out in person. 
Thanks again for listening to the Fox River Podcast.